The title of today's message is Two Ways. And my text is Psalm 1, 1 through 6. This psalm is known for known as a wisdom psalm. And before we get into the text, I want to share uh, about at least three things about this psalm. The first one is that this psalm offers basic, simple wisdom for a blessed life. Um, basic wisdom and simple wisdom does not mean, the basic does not mean this is elementary, intellectually elementary, but more about foundationally true, a deeper truth. In the long run, it is true. And this is so not American. Because American uh, truth is that you have to see and feel and touch momentaneously. But this baby, basic, simple truth, after all that has said and done, it comes out to be foundationally, fundamentally true. And that's why it is called a basic, a simple wisdom. Other passages, other uh, parts of the scripture, especially other genres like the narratives, um, would deal with the complexity of life, obviously. For example, the David, uh, life of David. David is not only known as a, a man, the man after own, God's own heart. But we also know David committed terrible sins, and the consequences and ramification sins are part of his life. And the book of Job is obviously complex wisdom, the question of evil, a question of pain and suffering. Ecclesiastes will be that. But the beauty of the simple, basic truth and basic wisdom is that we have to pay attention rather than thinking that we're so smarter than the than the foundational truth any truth any wisdom is foundationally true is very simple and psalm 1 does that and obviously second um, point of, of uh, the psalm is because of this basic uh, wisdom, a simple wisdom, it offers only two ways. Not three ways, not two and a half ways, but you either are this or that. The way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. The way of the righteous and the way of the wicked does not necessarily mean the people on one side is highly moral and nice people and the other side is criminals and sinners, terribly immoral people. And we get the wrong message if you read that way because we would categorize us immediately on one side. Um, but look at it this way. The idea of the righteous comes from covenant, God's covenant. 
And even Jesus gives us grace and calls us righteous, although we are full of sins because of his righteousness. The idea of righteousness is coming up with the idea of covenant relationship with God. And the wicked or sinners or <laughs> fools, those are the ones that actually ignore the covenant of God or the will of God, the way of God. And that godlessness state, including many of well-meaning, noble, Orange County law-abiding citizens can be categorized as wicked because not because not necessarily they're immoral, more uh, uh, immoral than any other else, but because godlessness, their life is without God. Their life ignores the counsel of God. So even, even in Israel, uh, there are people uh, who are Israelites, actually ignore the, the covenant relationship with God and ignore the law of God. And that's uh, what the psalmist is going after. Psalm 1 is introductory psalm of entire Psalter. Psalter is known as uh, five books of psalms. Uh, the, the poetry, the, this, the entire prayer book, song book, is the five parts of it. And uh, the five parts parallel to the Pentateuch. So, which is very interesting way of looking at it. But this psalm is an introductory psalm, which is undercurrent message of entire psalm. And should we say undercurrent message of entire Old Testament? And should we say undercurrent message of entire Old and New Scriptures, the whole entire Bible? So you will see, I mean, what I am really stirred by all this is because I saw gospel in this psalm. Powerful message of grace is actually embedded in this psalm. So, hence, it offers the practical guidance for us to start the new year right as Christ followers. What is a good way, a perspective and guidance we would look for? And obviously, this psalm provides that foundational guidance. And my prayer for each one of us and our entire church is that because of psalm, this psalm, that our church will be led on a strong note in the right direction. And do you know that? When you go, when you're lost, we tend to go faster. But if you go faster, the faster you go, the more lost you are. And another, another way of looking at it is when you're growing, you need to grow in the right direction. Otherwise, growing in the wrong direction it makes you problematic state. Cancer is an example. Uh, uh, you know, cancer cells are growing where they should not grow. So Psalm 1 provides that, 
the right direction. The question that we're asking is, what are the contrasting stark difference between the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked? And once again, let's define the way of the righteous and way of the wicked. Maybe we should call it this way. Way of the righteous is way of the godly who deliberately seeks, seek God's counsel, God's way, the way of the Lord. The way of the wicked, we should call it a way of the ungodly who ignores the counsel of God, who seeks the godless wisdom of the world. And that's clear, right? Look at the psalm, just very simple six verses. And pointed, because this is like a beatitude, started with blessed is the man. And verse four, the wicked are not so. The whole psalm is geared toward to aiming at contrasting differences. And therefore, by the end of our, our, our meditation and study this morning, we should see the fork of the road. It compels us to choose one way or the other. Structure is very simple as well. Verses 1 through 3 is descriptions of the way of the godly. Starts with negative, what they don't do not do, and what they do do do. And then verse 4 to 5 is the way of the ungodly, descriptions of that, and what's actually happening to them. And verse 6 is the final conclusion, but not just for this life, the blessings on this life, but the eternal destiny of two ways. And one more thing, the things that I didn't say in the recording, I'm going to say it. Um, it, it is really interesting to see even the description verses 1 through 3 of the way of the godly, the background, we see the way of ungodly by negating what the way of the godly are not. In other words, the godly does not do this. Godly person does not do this, which is descriptive of of ungodly. And then when verse 4 and 5, this is what's happening to ungodly. So what is not happening to ungodly is descriptive of the godly. Here's the first one. The way of the godly leads us to deliberately avoid the gradual influences of ungodly way, or should we say ungodly world, the self itself. Verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The three things that he avoids, the, it's a gradual influence. There is a progression going on. And actually, these are three stages of when we are tempted, 
into the way of ungodly. <clears throat> okay, because of the contrasting uh, purpose, he names as a person, the, the godly person, the righteous, the blessed man. Right? And then he calls the other the wicked. But we should think of it as at any moment, even today, we could stand and walk on the one way or the other. That's how we can understand the basic wisdom without confu getting confused about the reality of life. So first days, it starts with walking. Walking, he does not walk in the counsel of wicked. This is a subscription stage. You know, uh, because of social media, uh, this helps me understand much better. Do you get those emails and the Twitter account? They will send an email, the people that you should follow. And so-and-so is following me. Uh, Google Plus or Facebook. I don't know these people. Kate just found out that there are 15 people, a lot of them from Africa, following me. I don't know why. Right? Um, but when you want to listen to bed, best advice about parenting, who do you listen to? About your finance, who do you listen to? We always have this idea of walking in the counsel of godless world. That's the first stage that we should avoid. And the second stage is a participation. Stand in the, the way of sinners. Stand in the way of sinners. I, I, to put it in our way is, is a walk in somebody else's shoes and participating in that. When you, when you hang out, you are one of the crowd and you're participating with them in the way of sinners. And the third stage is ends with identification. And notice this. When we are going into this third stage, we sit in the seat of scoffers. It's a beyond participation. We are identifying, our, identifying ourselves with these mockers, scoffers. Not only we ignore the counsel of God, we mock, mock and make fun of the way of the godly. Make fun of the way of God's way. And obviously, the lesson that we could draw is it's so easy in our culture to to go into this ripple effect of the worldly godless guidance. Who do you listen to? What song do you listen to? What podcast do you listen to? Who do you follow? In terms of very difficult social issues, do you listen to God or do you listen to other people who became the counsel of the yet your favorite? The righteous person, the blessed person in God's eyes. T.
deliberately avoids the advices and counsels of the people who are not walking without, not walking with God. Their center is not God, and it's so easy. The idea of uh, this progression and ripple effect. If we jump into from I'm a Christian to I mock God, I mock God's way, I mock, I make fun of church people. This is a bigger jump, too too big a jump. But if you start listening to subscription happens, it's not so bad. But from subscription to participation, it's not so bad. It's a ripple. And from subscriptions to become disillusioned, dark people who hate Christianity, who mock the church people. And the obviously there's a broken side of church as well. But became one of the mockers and scoffers. Let's be very careful about that. <coughs> now, this is a, about what the godly person does not do. Verse 2, which is second point, is descriptive of what godly person does do. The way of the godly leads us to deliberately cling to Scripture for a joyful, fruitful life. Verse 2 and 3. But his life, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. There are four things that I see what the godly person, the way of the godly, leads us to do. The first thing is enthusiastic delight in the Word of God. And verse 2 says, His delight is in the law of the Lord. So, did you notice that? The, the righteous, the first description is not he does a lot of things uh, very morally upright. Uh, the person does a lot of nice, good things. No, the primary, the uh, essential description of the way of the godly is delight. His delight, her delight in God's word, the law of the Lord. The law in, in, in original language is Torah. Torah basically means description, I mean instruction or teaching. So which means that for Old Testament folks, when they're reading Psalms, they understood it as laws and prophets. The law and prophet meant Old Testament. So Jesus will refer to that. And then obviously there's a wisdom literature and poetry. But what about for New Testament folks like us? It includes the gospel. It includes the epistles, the letters of Paul from Peter and John. It includes book of Acts, the entire Bible, the word of God. Now, 
the way of the godly. The first description, the mark, is this delight. And do you know this delight, actually, according to one writer, and put it this way, our delight determines our destiny. Where, where is your delight? What, do you, what, what is your delight in? The second thing I see in this clinging to scripture process is deliberate discipline to meditate on scripture as a lifestyle. In the second part of the verse 2, on his law he meditates day and night. So the, the first one was delight. It's a joy. I, I like that. But and yet, we tend to listen to just the one side of the wise principle. In other words, oh, if I have so much joy reading Bible all of a sudden, I would read it. But if you look at this person, why, the wise, godly person, he disciplines himself. Day and night, meditates. The question is this, which comes first? Discipline to meditate or delight in God's Word? You cannot separate the two. One goes with the other. If you take one out of it, it just doesn't stand by itself. And obviously, the mark of the godly are not dutiful. The treasury... I gotta do my quiet time, as if we have to do our homework kind of thing. No, we, we are to, we are called to delight. Just have a pleasure and joyful moments in God's life, God's word. That's one side. But we are also to discipline ourselves. Fight for joy. As we meditate, we do that with our kids and our family, don't we? We don't say, oh, I don't really feel love these days toward my children, so I will be faithful to my feelings. Then we will be abusive, wouldn't we? And to even our wives and, and husbands the same way. <laughs> <clears throat> and one one of the best advice, and which I want to practice every day, I've been practicing, is to renew our commitment to our spouse every morning. I will love you with all my heart today. And that's a discipline to do it. And the feelings come the same, the same way when we are taking the Word of God and day and night. Day and night doesn't mean that you have to quit your job and sit in front of the Bible and don't care about cleaning the house or working for your your projects and meditating. This is an expression, figurative expression. Same thing as pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing means have a continuous pursuit of a prayerful spirit. Have an ongoing dialogue with God in back of your mind. 
all the time, isn't it? In the same way, we could meditate day and night on the scripture this way because we delight, we want to delight in God's, God's word. So I went swimming for swimming this morning too. I usually swim a mile, a little more than a mile. But what I do is actually, um, as I swim, I think about the scripture that I read this morning, especially the, uh, the, the verses that I'm going to share continually, you know, as I'm swimming after counting, just I make sure I turn and, and keep regurgitating the verses. Day and night. So don't do quiet time in the morning, forget about it. Spend time with quiet, quiet time relationally and throughout the day bring out some things and meditate. Continually meditate on it. Think it over and over in your mind. In the Hebrew word there is actually mutter. Say God's word to your heart throughout the day. And the third thing is spiritual vitality from Scripture. Listen to verse 6. Its leaf does not wither. Why? Because it, we are like a tree when we follow the way of the godly. A tree planted by streams of water. I'm grateful to Irene. We have a visual effect right here. Tree planted by the streams of water. Do you realize that we are able to have spiritual vitality in this season of our lives? And that we could excuse ourselves for many things, right? And let me let me give you my example. Uh, back in the beginning of our our church plant, we didn't even have a church office. We were just uh, allowed to have a worship service on in the training rooms of uh, Olive Crest Building, and our kids were so young, and and in Sawyer didn't go to school yet, and going to start going to. Uh, kindergarten so at home there's a bunch of kids running around and noisy and I could feel sorry for myself where do I go to spend time and meditate on, on God's word I want to do that I, I need a spiritual vitality instead of getting victimized I basically declare war on my soul where did I go? I like coffee, so I went to Starbucks. The problem with the Starbucks, they play music so loud. So I had to my put my earset and head earbuds and play classical guitar, instrumental music, loud enough to block everything away. First hour on scripture, it doesn't come. I'm still very dry. The second hour, I see a drop of living water. I get glimpses of it. And by the third hour, I'm drinking this fresh, cold, living water. Or should I say, juices from this 
just delicious word of God. And I, I had to go, but sometimes I don't want to even stand up because God is meeting with me, refreshing my heart. And there's nothing like it. And for sometimes five hours in Starbucks with one cup. And actually, I, I, because of my gold card, I, I was able to get refill for free. The last and fourth thing is a fruitfulness <coughs> by Scripture. It yields its fruit in its season. In all that he does, he prospers. Isn't it interesting to see our expectation because of our culture, the way of our world, uh, godless culture? We, emit, we expect immediate gratification and everything spontaneous. But just because you, we spend time with God, meditate on scripture, overnight we don't get spiritually vital. Of course, there is a timely word that comforts us and strengthens us. Yes, I don't negate that. But I'm talking about it takes time. Time for us to experience the fruit in this season. And I know some of you uh, have a dry season. If you hang in there, like Irina shared, in this season you will bear and you will be able to enjoy the fruit. Now, let's go to verses 4 through 6. Now, it's the way of the ungodly. The point about this is this. The way of the ungodly leads us to be like chaff that are left with nothing and destined for judgment. Verses 4 through 6 says this. The wicked are, uh, wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind blow, drives away, and therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. <coughs> Did you notice that um, the word picture for the godly is a tree planted by streams of water? But the one word descriptive word picture for the ungodly is chaff. What is chaff? It's an empty shell. The, the kernel and the crop came out of already. So when farmer is trying to separate the real crop from the chaff, empty shells, to do it one by one, it takes just impossible time. So what they do is a winnowing fan or winnowing uh, machine is, is basically put all the real crop and uh, kernel with the chaff and they throw it up in the air. 
Because chaff is light and the kernel and the crop is heavy, the crop each time after throwing up in the air, as it comes down, as those come down, it co they come closer, closer to the bosom of the farmer. The chaff blows away. That's the picture. Chaff, at, at the end of the day, it is facade. It is phantom. It is mirage. The blessings are not there. There is no substance. Substance. It, they are left nothing. And what is really crucial on this is we need to pay attention that they are actually pointing to the not only life on earth, blessing on earth or not, but it is continually for the eternity, the destiny. How we live our life would determine, uh, uh, even using the Psalmist language, how we delight, what we delight in, will determine the destiny. There are three reasons, therefore, that we need to discern and and persevere because the facade and the momentary success and prosperity looks very confusing to us number one is the quick charms of the ungodly way of life are short-lived the wicked are not so in what ways and in every single way they do not experience the living water. They do not experience the spiritual vitality. They do not experience the delight. In, and they do not avoid the gradual influences of godless world. The second reason is because it takes time. It takes time to do what? Three things. First, to learn to delight in meditating on scripture takes time. And obviously, we need the context. And if you're not knowledgeable about Bible, but it gets confusing, you, even if we, even with a modern trans translation, it will take, uh, time for you to really understand and therefore enjoy. And number two, it takes time to gain vitality. The same thing was any fitness or, you know, health exercise. Just because we work, uh, work out today, and that doesn't mean that we look different overnight. But I, you know, in some sense, I think the vanity of our world is after workout, at least men always look at the mirror, right? So I look a little bit different kind of a temptation. Third thing that takes time is to see fruit. Um, and because of those reasons, and that in each season it bears a fruit, 
And because of this time issue, sometimes we are in the smack of the doubt. And we, 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 we might be tempted to envy those people who are in the fast lane <coughs> and desire and tempted to even quit. Have you ever felt that way? That your friends who are compromising their integrity, they do not revere God and fear God at all, but they tend to be advanced and promoted faster. They tend to buy the bigger house and better uh, better career. They tend to have kids who go to the right schools, a better school. Here's a simple basic wisdom. Do not envy them. They're like chaff. In the due time, you will see your fruit. And God will see your heart. There was actually a person, another psalm, psalmist, who felt like that for us, like us. In Psalm 73, it has a different angle to it. In Psalm 37 also too. But listen to this. We might uh, find it refreshing to, to at least know that another biblical writer has a similar uh, doubt. 73 verse 2, uh, beginning with verse 2 to 3, and I'm going to jump to 17. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the, the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their need. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one wake, O Lord, you rouse yourself and you despise them as phantoms. This psalmist come to realize the short-lived charm of the way of the ungodly. And what is the message that we need to hear? Do not pay attention to the momentous, quick charms of the ungodly. Do not envy them. Number three, reason for discerning and perseverance is the godly way is not popular in this world. But God sees us and watches us over our way, even through our barren seasons. I, I love this. Do, do you see that? Do you see verse 6 says, uh, verse 5, I'm sorry, verse 6 says, at the beginning of verse 6, 
for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. This is not a transactional relationship. This is a loving grace relationship. And if you are on the way of godly, God sees your heart. And God sees us. God sees our weak, but in yet determined faith in it. Sometimes very shaky and weak. God sees our brokenness, but God sees our willingness to trust and obey. Even in the midst of our shortcomings and brokennesses and messinesses of our life, God sees our heart. And my prayer today, some of you are going through a tough season of your life. Things are not happening as fast as you need it to happen. A lot of things are painful. The answers do not come right away. You wish you could have a, get a hold of control of your life. But you know so many things are out of control. You are at the fork of the road. People of God, brothers and sisters, choose the way of the godly. Stay at it. Never quit. You know, the gospel that I mentioned is this. When it's con contrasting between the way of the godly and the way of the ungodly, the only active verb for the godly is meditate. Stillness, waiting, seeking, listening, hearing God's guidance. Meditate. What does ungodly do typically? The happiness and blessing he or she need to make. Make it happen on themselves. Frank Sinatra singing my way is no matter what happens, I did it my way. That's a wicked way according to the Bible. Not because immoral, but because it's a, God is absent in that plan, in that heart. When you have something, it's called accomplishment. But our godly has fruit. What's the difference between godly, uh, I mean the accomplishment and fruit? Credit belongs to you when it comes to accomplishment. Fruit, you cannot make it. It's a Jesus divine. The, listen to the expression of a tree planted by the streams of water. We don't plant ourselves. Jesus plants us. So in other words, here is the picture of for happiness, pursuit of happiness and blessing is actively being actively active. You do everything. Everything comes to you on your credit. Obviously, you feel bad when you are, there's tremendous guilt in, in an ungodly way as well. 
But when you're looking at it, it's a grace. Jesus plants us and says, be active. Of course, discipline to meditate. But be actively passive. Depend on the streams of water, living water. The gospel of grace that we see here is that this righteous person is a dependent person, but actively dependent person, actively passive. And that's what we are all to do. All this reminds me of Matthew 7, verse 13 through 14. This is the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. We will get there in a few months. And it sounds so similar to the wisdom of Psalm 1. These are Jesus' words, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few do you see this the way of ungodly is like highway freeway most people Go to that. The way of godly is narrow. And it is difficult. And few find it. <coughs> In the long run, the simple basic wisdom is that there is an eternity of God's relationship with us. God's dwelling within us. Or the chaff being burnt away and destruction cannot stay, belong to the community of believers, God's family, cannot stand the judgment of God. What will it be for you? And I'm going to read the harvest of what I've been laboring on so far as we conclude. There are two things that I would, I would like to challenge you with. At the fork of the road, of course, we are to choose the way of the godly. But in choosing the way of the godly, I want to be pointed and straightforward about this. First, resolve to meditate on Scripture daily as you begin the new year, 2016. I'm praying that the nudging of the Holy Spirit will get louder in your heart. And in so doing, refuse to stay victimized by your current circumstances. Maybe you have babies as a young mom, a young dad. It's utterly difficult to spend time meditating on the Word. But refuse to stay victimized. If you delight and if you hope in the Word of God, I love the way that Irina puts it, there is an excitement 
builds up as you get to know the delight, as you spend time with God. Arrange your life around your time with God, not the other way around. If God comes first, you need to think about what, what, what is the time that is I could not only block away that I will not be disturbed, but at the same time that my mental state will be alert. If you work the other way around, we end up giving mental garbage time to God. And it obviously we don't really find delight in, in that state. And third uh, tip that I want to give you is never underestimate the power of a rhythm. Same time, same place, every day. And you built in, not overnight, as you discipline to meditate, delight will come. Fruit will come eventually. And even in this morning, uh, because of this rhythm, I wanted to go. I usually, Sundays, uh, uh, I don't usually go for swimming. But six days out of seven, I usually go same time. And this morning, I felt compelled to go. Because I, I really need that. And if you ask me about eight, nine years ago when I started that habit, I am dragging myself into LA Fitness. Okay, the point that I'm making is when you open up the Bible and meditate on it, be realistic. It's going to take some time for you to get delight. Hang in there. And that leads to my final point. Resolve to delight in God's Word more as you train yourself to fight for joy in God. In other words, let's learn the delight this year. Can we do that? Not just saying, I did my homework, my quiet time today, and I did my sharing on the email. Just a minimal way, right? And then instead of doing that, I'm going to try everything on my own, be active, so that I could be dependent on God's resources, the fresh living water I want. I want to learn delight. So I dare to implore you in the, in the, G, in the name of Jesus. Can I challenge you? Declare an all-out battle on your soul for this delight. In a moment, and Tuang will lead us to the time of uh, communion and then through some sharing time. Maybe you, be, you need to begin to think about this. Don't worry about anything else. But what time will you meet with God alone tomorrow? Just briefly, maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes. What time tomorrow? And I will challenge you to share that with your threesome group so that at least during the time you could talk with God and maybe the declaring this all-out battle on your soul begins there. Uh, I want to conclude with this final uh, quote from George Mueller. And this is wonderful 
because I see his resolve, both resolve that I am challenging you with. He writes, the point is this, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, but, I, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. Now I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the, God, the Word of God and to meditate on it, so that in this way my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, instructed, and thus, and that thus, while meditating, my heart might be brought into experiential communion with the Lord. How different it is when the soul is refreshed and made happy early in the morning from what it is when the service and the trials and the temptations of the day come upon one without such spiritual preparation. Isn't that good? And my prayer for each one of you is that this year that we, you will learn to delight, <coughs> that you will discipline yourself, and the whole church experience the living water from the Lord. As we ask Jesus to plant us nearby the streams. May the Lord be with you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you. And may the Spirit of God stir your heart and give you the taste of God's beauty. The best joy, the joy in God through the Scripture is shared. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wisdom psalm. And thank you for the clarity of this fork of the road. And we do want to to choose the way of the godly in this year. Would you comfort us when we get discouraged in meditating on the word? Would you give us a challenge when we need a kick in the butt and come out of our comfort zone and, and spiritual laziness? And more than anything, we pray that you will open our eyes so that we may see the wonderful things from your word. Quench our soul through your scripture. Ignite our prayer by your scripture. And teach us to see the spiritual vitality and the fruit are really possible in everyday life as Christ followers. 
We as a church commit to you and surrender to you. We pray that you will lead us the, the rest of 2016. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.